This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. The title of my message tonight is, uh, and by the way, I just have to say it one more time. I so miss my wife. God. So uh, we love her. And uh, Pastor Bonnie, if you're watching, you're missed and I love you. Okay. So the title of my message tonight is Death and Life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, you understand this is the decade of pay. Pay is the number eight or the number 80. They, they tie together and we are speaking about the decade or the year or the season of speaking. Speaking, to speak. Well, don't you think it's important if we're going to be speaking that we at least have an understanding. I felt like, hey, let's kick this thing off and get on the right foundation. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Turn to your neighbor, say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 21st verse, the New King James Version says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. I like to amplify it. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for life or death. And then, of course, the Message Bible just makes it simple for all of us to understand. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or good fruit. You choose. And I thought, that's just how it has to come out. You choose. You get to choose. Poison or good fruit. Which one do you want? I think I'll go for... Okay, take the poison then. I don't care, all right? But I would choose good fruit, okay? How many of you have ever had a case of foot-in-mouth disease? Anybody know what foot-in-mouth disease is? Last year in the school, we had an outbreak of it in our school. It was all over the school. It seemed like the teachers and the students caught it. And I, you know, I was speaking to one of the doctors uh, in our church, and uh, I was bemoaning the fact that I have been known to have an acute or at least a sudden onset, uh, I had an acute case of foot-in-mouth disease every once in a while, and it comes without warning. Uh, I opened my mouth, and my foot would somehow just end up in my mouth. I don't know how that happened, but it just, from time to time, it has happened. And uh, I just want to know, how many of you have ever opened your mouth and said something that you knew was going to get you in trouble, or it was going to come back and haunt you, but you did it anyway? Just tap your neighbor say, I know that person. Just say, I, I know who that is. How, how many of you have ever said something and then you try to cover it up by saying, oh, never mind, never mind, J- just kidding. <laughs> or can we just move on or uh, can I just take that back? How many of you know once you've spoken, you can't move on, you can't take it back, it's out there. It's too late. Open mouth, insert foot. <laughs> Husbands and wives are bad about thinking, I can say that. And then, or, I, or they say, I can't say that. I can't say that. Have you ever done this as a husband or wife? Say, mm, I, I can't say that. But then you say it anyway. <laughs> we'll get into an argument with our spouse and uh, this thought pops into our head. We know if we say it, we're going to get in trouble. But what do we do? Say it anyway. That's right. We tell ourselves, I'm not going to say that or I'm not going to go there. 
But wouldn't you know it, the moment you open your mouth, out goes those words that you knew you weren't going to say. And not only do you have a foot in your mouth, but you're in the doghouse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a guy at church, and he stopped and asked a question to the pastor uh, of, a, of a local church. And they were talking about someone in their church, and he stopped and asked a question. And her response was, she said, uh, I've already told you more than I know. <laughs> yeah, some of you get that after you've had your <laughs> snack this evening. You know, once you get that, uh, you know, protein moving in your system again. Amen? Uh, how, many of the, how many of you does this sound familiar? You sound like, yeah, I, I know what he's talking about. Uh, have you ever been the topic of one of those discussions? I know I haven't. I'm a pastor. Nobody ever talks about me. Although I've been, somebody did say that they had roast preacher one day for lunch. But tonight I want to talk to you about the power in our words. Words can bless, they can encourage, strengthen someone, they can bring power, the power of God onto the scene. But words can also hurt, destroy, kill, kill someone's reputation, curse or damage people. Just touch somebody and say, there's power in what you say. Touch the, the other person on the other side and say, be careful what comes out of that thing. So Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, we believe, therefore we speak. How many of you know that you cannot even get born again without speaking? Your life as a Christian came out of the confession of your mouth. We believe, therefore we speak. As a man believeth in his heart, so shall he speak. That's what you speak. And the belief of the heart is revealed in a confession when we accept Jesus Christ. And that confession of that belief is what sets in motion your salvation. The very life of your own salvation is released by the power of your tongue. Now, I used to hear people say this. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And as I listened to that, I missed the whole message. I missed the message of what the Bible says. Because that's not what God said. That is not what the Bible said. The Bible doesn't say that the power of life and death is in the tongue. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. The power of life and death isn't in the tongue. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. The power of your tongue. And I'm not just splitting hairs here. It's important that we understand just how powerful the tongue of a human being is. The emphasis is on the power of your tongue. You and I can create hell on earth or we can create heaven on earth with our mouths. We can change our world or we can change the world of others simply by changing our words. Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 and 20 through 24, he says, have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God. For whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not 
doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever things he saith. That is one dynamic and powerful scripture. 30 years ago, I would have spent an hour teaching it. Tonight, I'm hoping that you have already grasped the truth there. But what I really want you to understand is there's a place in God. If you know the word of God, that he said, if you wouldn't doubt, you can have whatsoever you say. Tap your neighbor and say, I think you're... I think his preaching is better than your amening tonight. See, here's what I want to tell you. If you can have whatever you say, don't you think you should be careful about what you're saying? In fact, if you think about it, some of you are having what you've said. I kind of like to say it this way. Uh, all the things you've been saying is the seeds you've sown and you're harvesting them today. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm hoping for a crop failure. Jesus said, you're going to get what you say. He said, by your, in another passage of scripture, he says, by your words... By your words, you shall be justified, and by your words, you shall be condemned. Your words. Your words are what he's going to judge you by. One day, you're going to stand before God, and at the judgment seat, he's going to say, it's what you said that will either justify you or condemn you. You see, your words are carriers. They have power. They carry things into an unseen realm and bring them to pass in a seen realm. They carry things into the hearts and the lives of our children and our wives and our, and our, our employees and, and our nation. When we speak the word of God, we're creating a spiritual atmosphere for God himself through his Holy Spirit and for angels to execute the word of God, to execute the things that we're speaking. We can pray and we can pray and we can pray for God to do all kinds of things. But until we start speaking it, we may not see an answer to our prayers. We may not see anything. I think I've said this many, many times. I have... Uh, Struggled with prayer and prayer meetings in my early days of ministry. I called for prayer meetings and I believed in them, but man, I'd see us pray. And I, especially these all night prayer meetings. And I'd go to these all night prayer meetings, and I mean, half the people are asleep by one in the morning, and the others are, you know, praying in tongues. And I always felt like walking over and tapping someone on their shoulder and saying, uh, What are you praying for? Rambling off. And I'm saying, what, what are we praying for? What, what are you praying? What are we doing here? You see, I believe in speaking in tongues. But I, I don't believe that you speak in tongues just to speak in tongues. I, I believe that when you pray in tongues, when you pray in the spirit, you should have something in mind. 
I think that I don't, I know what I'm praying for. I just don't know how to pray as I ought about what I'm praying about. I'm not just rattling off in tongues about, well, God knows what I'm praying about. I don't know what I'm praying about. No, <laughs> I have a focus on what I'm praying for. And I don't know how to pray as I ought. I've, wor- I've run out of English or I've wor- run out of Shona or whatever your language is. And, and, and I run, I've, run, I've, I've run out of ways of describing or even knowing. But God says he'll help me. But here's what I've noticed. Paul said this. He says, if you pray in the spirit, you should also pray in your understanding. He says, if you sing in the spirit, you should also sing in your understanding. And I've, I've just learned something about praying in the spirit. And it, I love it because when I begin to pray in the Spirit about a certain topic, it's amazing that after you get to a certain point of prayer, it's like you kick back into the understanding. I don't know about you, but I get amazed at what comes out of my mouth sometimes. I hear myself praying with my understanding. I say, oh my God. It's almost like a prophecy or a word of knowledge or how did I think of that? That's pretty amazing. I just said that? Wow. Hey, did anybody hear that? Did you hear what I just said? That was, that was, that was me. No, that was God helping you take a spiritual expression that you were in the spirit and giving you understanding of what you just prayed. It's an interpretation of the very tongue you just prayed. I will pray in the spirit and I will pray in my understanding. Amen? You know, uh, this topic of dealing with our words. Uh, I, I remember Brother Hagen, uh, who I followed for many, many years, uh, dealing with a congregation member in a church where he'd been visiting. And this person, had, he, he was talking about a family member who'd been in a coma. And the doctors and nurses had been praying and uh, they were uh, seeking the Lord. And uh, he, was, uh, he was told about this. And so he went with the pastor that he was visiting to the hospital and was going to go pray and do hospital visitation and just pray. And uh, when he got there, God said, don't pray. And he was kind of confused. And, he, and, and the pastor said, well, would you pray? Because he had a healing ministry. He said, would you pray? And, and he says, I, 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 I can't pray. And God spoke to him. God, God gave him a word. He says, and here's what he said. Spiritual laws were set in motion long ago, and they cannot be reversed at this time. Release his spirit and let him come on home. That's what God told him. So Brother Hagin prayed that. God released him, and he said, I release this man's spirit. And within a day or two, the man died, and he went on home. Well, Brother Hagin went on, and then the pastor spoke and, and, and Brother Hagin spoke to this pastor over the dinner table and told him what God had told him. And, and then he was phoned later and told that the man had died. And uh, then they'd done the funeral. And he phoned him back after the funeral and he said, it's amazing what you said, pastor. He said that the brother had spoken to his family and, and had spoken to the other brother and revealed the fact. And the brother had revealed the fact that the brother that, that died had always said and never had, had told him, I, I will never live past the age of 40. Well, the man was 37 years old when he died. And uh, the sister came to the funeral and said, yeah, he always used to say that. He said that his whole life. What, do you, what, 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 what I'm saying is that there is power in what you say. 
can lock or unlock things in the spirit realm. I, I think of uh, one of our members of the church who, the family's a very faithful member here, Lauren, a little girl, and uh, she had a brain tumor, and she was given a diagnosis that was not very good. I went to the uh, emergency room, I prayed with her, had the operation. Uh, the prospect was that she wouldn't walk. Uh, Pastor Bonnie was leading a meeting. I was out of the country, but Pastor Bonnie was leading a meeting and uh, was told before the meeting, oh, Lauren is here and uh, they want you to pray for her. Well, she came out and she started leading a song and, and, and over on the stage, right here on the stage, Lauren and her father uh, and the mother and, and mother, Sandy, were here and, and she's in a wheelchair. And Pastor Bonnie looked over there and uh, she said, uh, she walked, and, and she was kind of caught off guard because she didn't expect to see that up on the stage, you know, wheelchair. How did they, I mean, it was like, this wasn't part of the plan. We, we, she thought in her mind that we'd find them and pray, you know, just, but she got caught off guard. And, and she walked over, and, and, and if, uh, if we have a video, and I'd like to show it, but she walks over, and she asks Lauren and the father, do you believe you will walk? And you can see in both of them this kind of faith arise and yes, I will. Pastor Bonnie takes her by the hands and says, walk. And she gets up out. And out of the confession of she and her dad and their faith to come to church to be prayed for, a miracle took place. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I think of a man that I uh, was a dear, dear friend of mine, and uh, before he was born again, I would go to the Lofelt, and he was a very wealthy, very prominent farmer here in the country, and had four major cane farms in the Lofelt, down in Cheredzi, just outside of the city there. And I would go and I would stay with them. I'd led their daughters and their sons to the Lord, and I was very good friends with the wife, and the husband was... Uh, a religious man, but he wasn't born again. He hadn't accepted Christ. And uh, he would come to my meetings. He would come to the meetings. And one night I was uh, preaching. And I looked down at him. And I saw a spirit of death on him. I was shocked. And I didn't know what to do. So I went home and we had dinner at the house and I turned to him and over the course of our dinner I said, uh, I said, tell, we started talking, I said, tell, tell me about your family. And uh, he told me, he said, not one of the members of his family has lived past the age of 57 years old. He said, we all, yeah, we all die young. We all die before our 57th birthday. 57, it's a really weird number, 57 years old. Not really. I said, how old are you? I think he was 56. <laughs> Pretty amazing, hey? Anyway, throughout the course of that week, he gave his life to the Lord. And the last meeting of the 
conference, I had been talking to him, and I told him what I saw. And I called him up, and I rebuked the spirit of death off of him. And he not only confessed Christ, but he confessed, I shall live, and I shall not die. And, he began, and, and, his, and his life began to grow from there, and he became a very, very spiritual man. He began to be led of the spirit, walk in the spirit, and uh, became a very spiritual man. Long story short, he lived to be 74 years old. And he and I were very, very dear friends uh, and uh, had just a, a, an amazing relationship. But I believe he would have died. His brother died. All of his brothers died before the age of 57 years old. Isn't that amazing? There is power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We have to watch out. We have to be careful about what we say. Our mouth can be one of the most dangerous weapons that we have. Or we can speak and bring life and resurrection to something that seemed to be dead or seemed to be wasting away. Let Jesus come alive in your heart. Begin, let him begin to use your mouth and Bring faith into your heart to begin to resurrect all of your hopes and all of your dreams that have perished within you or that you've destroyed with your confession, with your conversation. There's many, things that, there, there's many times that we've brought things upon ourselves because of what we've said. Think about it. Every time you open your mouth and confess that the enemy has really gotten us down or Sometimes we give him information that we, that he wouldn't have had known unless we had spoken it out. It gives him power. It gives him power in your situation. What we say really does have a lot to do with what happens in our lives. Our scripture text in Proverbs 18.21 says that, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. As I was praying today, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. And he said that some of you are about to fall into a trap set by Satan. Now, it's difficult when people come against us. I know that. It's difficult when people speak evil things to us and about us. Uh, I know a couple of situations going on right now where the enemy is attacking people by using their workplace and using people in the workplace. And in another case where, they're God, where, the, where the enemy is using people in the church to speak things over their lives. And, 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 but here's what the Lord showed me. And, and uh, I think these are things we need to be careful of. Number one, I think we need to be careful when you speak judgment on someone. I think you need to be careful what you say to someone. I think the way you speak to your children, you need to be very, very careful what you say to your child. You know, I, I listen to some of you in the way you speak to your children. You're cursing them, speaking death. Luke 6, 37 and 38 says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. 
For the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, I know we love to use that for offerings, but I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with an offering. It has to do with your tongue. It has to do with what you're meeting out with your tongue. It has to do with the way that you judge. It has the way with, with you forgiving. It has, and the way you meet it out, it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I'm saying, let's meet out some good words. You know, my, my, my dad always used to tell me this. He says, hey, make sure your words are sweet. You never know when you have to eat them. <laughs> are you listening to me tonight? Just tap your neighbor. Say, I know he's talking about you tonight. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 and 2 says this. It says, judge not. Jesus is the same topic, but he's, he's saying it a little differently. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. You see, when we get critical or we get judgmental, we bring that same level of judgment or criticism back upon ourselves. So if you criticize someone for not doing something and then turn around and find ourselves not doing what you're complaining about either, that same judgment is coming back on you. Anybody see themselves tonight? Mm -hmm, I'm glad that you're honest. Secondly, I want you to consider the people who abuse you or who speak harmful words or take advantage of you or take advantage of us. What we say in response to others who use us or who abuse us will determine the results that we get in our lives. This is critical. Because if we're not careful, we can fall into what the Bible calls a scandalon. We take offense. Jesus one time was speaking and he says, blessed is the man who does not get offended in me. And the word was scandalon. It's a Greek word. And it's to take offense. It's to take the bait is what it means. Who will not take the bait. How many of you know every time that you're getting offended, you took the bait? You know, my wife, and I love her, and she's not here tonight, so she can't defend herself. But she knew how to bait me sometimes. Now, I don't know if she did it on purpose, but she just knew the right thing to say to kind of. Of course, I think I knew the thing to say to get her too. And, and, and the point is, if you take the bait, you may end up in a quarrel or an argument or you may end up hurting or saying something that hurts your marriage. If you're married, tap your wife and say, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> you see, what we say in response to those who use us or those who abuse us determine the results we get. So what do we do when we're being misused? First of all, I think it's very important that we're careful what our little mouth says. No matter what someone does to you, it does not excuse you or me to operate outside of the scriptures in our reaction to the situation. Remember, Jesus told us to bring every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. 
Have you ever read that before? 1 Peter 3, 9 says this, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary-wise, when somebody is evil or they're railing, we give blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called that you should inherit blessing. Isn't that amazing? God says when they rail against you, when they are bitter towards you, when they beat up on you, when they are evil, don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to do this, you were called so that you may inherit blessing. See, when you bless, when somebody curses you, it's so that you get blessing. There's lots of teaching along this line. Jesus said, pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. I didn't say it was easy. I just said that's what he said. <laughs> this goes back to Luke 6.38. What does it say there? It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure you meet, it will be measured back to you again. What measure are you meeting out? I measure blessing when you measure curse. I measure Positive words when you measure negative words. Guess what? The same measure I meet, it measures back to me. Not the measure you meet. You, be, you, you speak evil, I speak blessing. You speak curse, I speak life. You speak death, I speak into another situation. Why? Because it's measured back to me by the same measure I meet it out. We're not to render evil for evil. We're not to render railing for railing. We're not to escalate the fight. But if someone's attacking us, we're to bless them. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. That's God's way of answering an attack. In Matthew 5, verse 44 and 45, it says, But I say and hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. You see... A lot of our relationship with God the Father has to do with the way we treat those around us. Hmm? Anybody getting convicted yet? Anybody thinking about your relationships? You see, there is life or death in our tongue. There's blessing or cursing in our tongue. There's power in the tongue. There's connection between what we say and what happens to us. That's why we need to be careful with what we say. Now, the next thing I want you to see about being what uh, uh, an author I read a long time ago said, hung by the tongue. He wrote a book called Hung by the Tongue. And, and I, I always think about it. When I teach about this, I think, yeah, hung by the tongue. You can get hung by your tongue. Uh, is what goes into us is usually what comes out of us. Somebody just tap your neighbor and say, ouch, ouch. Matthew 12, 34 says, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I was speaking the other day, and uh, we were speaking about how every human being does evil. We're all guilty of doing evil. There's a huge difference between doing evil and being evil. 
Some people do evil. We all fall short. We, we fail. We, we sin. And we catch it. We know we sin. Other people are evil. They're not going to repent. They're not trying to catch it. They just are evil. And God says he hates the evil. He hates the wicked. And he makes a distinction between doing evil and being evil. He makes a distinction between doing a wicked act and being wicked. And here he's speaking of a generation of vipers. And he says, and these are Sadducees and Pharisees, religious people that had become evil. They had calloused their hearts over. They were putting yokes on people and were unwilling to lift even a finger to take the yoke off of them. And he says, you being evil, how can you speak good things? He says, because you can't. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Luke 6.45 says it another way. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure in his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth speaks. The prosperous man out of the prosperity of his heart brings forth prosperity. The poverty-stricken man out of the poverty in his heart brings forth his poverty. The defiled man out of the defilement of his heart brings forth defiled things. The righteous man out of the righteousness of their heart brings forth righteous things. What you put in and into your heart is what you're creating your world with. It's what will come eventually out of your mouth. And you can fake it for a while. A, a, a mentor of mine taught me that, you know, charisma can take you a long way in life. We have a lot of charismatic people. They, they can charm you and they can be gracious and they can woo you and they can manipulate and they can butter wooden mouth in their mouth. You know, it's so, they're so cool. They're so smooth. He says, that's fine. He says, and you can pull that game off until you get old. He says, and after you get old, he says, all that's left is character. He says, if you want to see someone that has character, he says, go to the nursing home. He says, because in the nursing home, they don't care anymore. And the people that have character are the ones that are still gracious, the ones that are still respectful, the ones that are, oh, thank you so much. And the ones that don't care anymore, the ones that had all the charisma, are the ones that just don't care. Shut up. Get, and, you, and they're miserable. Can I tell you something? What's in there will come out. You can hide it for a while, but what's really in the heart will come out. We need to be careful what we feed our spirit man. We have a term in, I don't know, it's probably not a term anymore, but I, when I was growing up and I was studying computer, we, we always used to talk about garbage in, garbage out. I think it works for just about anything. You know, when you start putting finances together, if you're putting garbage in your financial program, you're going to get garbage out. If you're putting garbage into your computer program, you're going to get garbage out. If you're putting garbage into your mind, you're going to get garbage out. If you're putting garbage into your heart, you're going to get garbage out. So what does the word say about feeding our mind? It says this. In Philippians 4.8 it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What, 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 what's the apostle saying here? He's trying to tell you, hey, listen, fill your mind with good things. Fill your mind with 
righteous things, healthy things, lovely things. Why? Because what you fill your mind with, what you think about, feeds your soul, feeds your spirit. Some of you watch way too much television. And it's defiling you. No, I'm telling you, you can't watch TV anymore. It is full of defilement. I mean, there's nothing clean on that anymore. Even the news is just fake news. Some of you read the newspaper in this country like it's the truth. It's fake news. You know that. You know that it's all changed. It just changes. They, we don't, it's propaganda. Okay, tap your neighbor and say, you, you don't know that? You actually believe that the you actually believe the newspaper is telling the truth? Where have you been? See, what we have to begin to understand as a nation and as, and as believers is that God gave us His Word. You know, I, I started practicing something a long time ago, and, and uh, I realized that there's times that I get bombarded with thoughts. I get bombarded with things. You know, you you, you we're, we're we're constantly being bombarded. We don't even know it sometimes. I go to the gym, and I mean. All the music in the gym is just crap. I mean, the stuff that, you, that you're listening to is just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. We're actually listening? Why? And, and I complain all the time at the gym. I'm saying, hey, why would you play that? Have you heard those words? But you know what? You, you can't escape it anymore. Every shop you go into, everywhere you go, there's this devilish music being played. Oh, I like it. I don't listen to the words. Yes, you do. I just like the beat. No, you don't. It's designed to defile your spirit. Garbage in, garbage out. So you know what? I, I, I find that sometimes I just have to put my earphones on and have my playlist so that I'm listening to, I don't listen to the radio. TK, I don't listen to you. we got four or five radio jockeys here in the church. But you know what? A lot of it's crap. Just the, 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 I, I don't know how you guys play that other than you have to. I understand that. But some of those words, they're not righteous. They're not building anybody up. They're tearing down. All right. Get mad at me. Don't judge me. Bless me. Even when I step on your toes. If you can't say amen, say ouch. But you see, nowhere does it say that we're supposed to have stinking thinking. The Bible says think on these things. If you're constantly filling your mind with junk, you're going to have junk in your mind. And it's going to get you in trouble. Sometimes I find Christians to be some of the most negative people on earth. Don't do this. You can't do that. You do we point out legalistically things that God really doesn't care about. Why don't we love people into the kingdom? Why don't we speak life over everybody and stop worrying about all this stuff, okay? Why? You know, we have an answer for everything. Somebody comes and they're trying something. Oh, that won't work. Well, I've tried that. Praise God. I'm a, I'm, I'm a believer. I, no, no. You, you, look, you've just become bitter is what you've become. You're saying things that you need to be very careful. Every time you speak a negative word, you're bringing death to your situation or death to the situation around you. Whenever you find yourself speaking those destructive things in your life, stop. 
Turn to the word of God. Bring those thoughts under subjection to Christ and his word. Speak. You have a choice to speak a word or speak the word. Many of you speak a word. And, 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 and in, our, in our country, we're very proud people. So we have this attitude that says, well, I have a right to say whatever I want to say. I can say what I want to say. It's a free country. <laughs> you have a right to say whatever you want to say. <laughs> oh, but let me tell you something. You're destroying our nation and you're destroying you and you're destroying your family. That's what your right to say it. Sometimes we need to say what the word of God says. We need to choose and believe and listen to what God's word says and say that. The next thing that we do to get hung by the tongue is we confess our problems more than we do our solutions. Listen to me here. Here's what normally happens. When we get hurt or we receive bad news or something bad happens to us, we begin to rehearse the hurt. We begin to rehearse the pain. We begin to tell people, oh, you'll never believe what happened. How many times did you tell that story? Oh, yeah, this person said this and that. And you rehearse the evil. Let me tell you something. When you do something evil to me, I don't tell anybody. I don't even tell my wife. Why? Why would I say it again and reinforce that negative thing? I'm going to reinforce the positive. I'm going to reinforce the blessing. I'm going to reinforce what God has. Are you listening to me? If this is the year of pay, don't you think we should be very careful about what we say? In this decade, God says that what we say carries weight. It's a new season. You see, everything that you allow to go over and over in your mind, every time you do it, it gets bigger and bigger. How many of you have ever had one of those incidences where something little happened and then you start thinking about it? And then you tell somebody, oh, you'll never believe what happened. And, and by the time you get home, you're so worked up. Oh, you... Oh. Anybody have that? I've had people come into my office, storm into the office, bawling and squalling. And I'm, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, who died? Meanwhile, it's some little offense that they've allowed to get so big. I'm saying, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Hey, stop. Forgive them. Just forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That, that, you, why would you let that little person get under your skin that much? I just did. <laughs> See, what would have been a little blip on the screen, just if you turn it over to God, because you keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it, saying it, it turns into a major event in your life. We call up a friend, we tell them about it, we call up our neighbors, we come home and tell our wife, we keep calling people, we keep getting other people to agree with us and, 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 oh, that is bad, that is terrible. We crawl up in our bed and have a little pity party in our bed while we're lying in it and, oh, no, no, we don't need to do that. We need to start asking for prayer. We need to pray for each other. We need to uh, speak the word about the situation and ask for the wisdom of God to intervene and ask for God's will to be done. And we need to, uh, we can't allow ourselves to get caught up in the mess of other people. Rather, put yourself in a position to help pull them out. Get them out of there. Hallelujah. Amen.
So quit talking about it so much. You see, when we talk about our problems, when we keep murmuring and meditating on them, it adds power to the issue. But when we talk to God about our problems and we speak his answer and his word over our problems, it gives him the room to move on our behalf. See, the more we keep speaking about the problem, the stronger it becomes in our minds. And it eventually turns into what the Bible calls a stronghold. A stronghold. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he goes on to define what a stronghold is. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Can you see the pattern here? God says, hey, cast those thoughts down. Cast those, don't let that stuff, don't let that, definitely don't let it come out of your mouth. Why? Because you're creating your world. You're creating your solutions. You're creating your answers. A stronghold is just what it says. It's something that is strong and has a hold on you. But not God. We need to start giving God praise. We need to start giving him worship. We need to pray. We need to give him room to move on our behalf. Turn our thoughts and turn our mind over to him. Remember, 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 remember. See, the more you turn a thought over in your mind, the bigger it gets. So God says, call his word to remembrance. Call his word to remembrance. How many of you tonight are sitting here as I'm speaking and you're discouraged? You, uh, you're so down. You've lost your joy. Your joy's been zapped. Your faith is leaked out. This is usually because we're not feeding our minds the right thing or we're speaking the wrong thing. Let me just give you a few things that we need to do and I'll close. We need to begin to speak and confess the solution, not the problem. We need to be positive because there's nothing that's impossible with God. We need to understand that God will not hold any good thing from us. have to understand that the Lord is our light. He's our protector. He will give us grace and he'll give us glory. Grace is unearned favor. and Mercy is a term that describes his leniency. That's the kind of God we serve. He's not withholding these things from us. Our answer is coming. God wants us to know that our answer is on its way. Now, there's reasons that you don't have answers, and I'm not going to get into it tonight. But I believe that we need to begin to confess our solutions instead of our problems. We need to find the scriptures that relate to God taking care of our situation. We need to start to proclaim those words out loud. Daniel said this in Daniel 10, 12. Then said he to me, fear not, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Your words were heard and I have come for your words. 
Can I tell you something? There is a spiritual realm out there where the angels are coming for your words, where God is activated by your words. God was just letting Daniel know that his words were heard and that God sent an angel to carry out those words. It just took 21 days. God hears your words. And if you'll speak the word of God, the word that was spoken into your spirit, the word that God gave you, you begin to release the power of the spoken word of God. God says in Isaiah 55, 11, he says, so shall, by my word, so, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that thing which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. So let me ask you a question. I'll close with this thought. Leave that scripture up there. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Where's God's mouth today? Where's God's mouth? Hmm? Where is God's mouth? How many have heard him speak an audible voice? Probably not. You may have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, but I doubt if you've heard God's voice. God himself. He says, but my words that come out of my mouth will never return to me void, but will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper. The thing. Where does God have a mouth? His mouth is right here on your face what you say and he's looking for his sons he's looking for men and women to speak his word and in this season of pay we need to begin to say what he's saying we need to get to a place that we stop asking why and start saying yes the scripture says that the promises of God are all yes but guess what? And amen. And what that simply means is that there's a yes that needs your amen. There's a yes in you that he'll say amen to. All of his promises are yes. Are you saying yes to his promises so he can say amen? Are you hearing his yes so you can say amen? Or do you say something contrary? Are you creating death where there should be life for the power for, for death and life are in the power of your tongue let's all stand before we go tonight I think it would be very it would behoove us to number one repent we need to repent of the words that we've spoken. I am guilty. I have said things out of frustration. I have said things out of anger. I have said things out of fear. Frust I, 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 I have said things to my children. I've said things to my wife. I've said things about our nation. I've said things about, yeah, even some of you. That we're not life. know this, if I'm not careful, I'll eat. I'll eat. So I want to repent before God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the words that I have spoken. 
out of self-righteousness. See, I want to say something to that speaker back there. And to that band member. I want to say something to him. So I'm going to say, I'm going to bless you and not curse you tonight. Father, forgive me for allowing frustration to rise to the point that I speak cursing or destruction or judgment. For I know this, the same measure that I meted out will be meted back to me. So Father, tonight I'm asking you to put a watch on my lips, to put a guard over the words I speak, to put a guard over my heart. Father, that the meditation of my heart might be along the lines of Philippians. Think on these things. Think on these things. Father, forgive me. Can you repent tonight? Father, forgive me. For things I've said to my spouse, for things I've said to my parents, for things I've said to my children, for things I've said about my government, for things I've said to my employees, to my about my employer, for things I have spoken out of turn, out of sorts, out of alignment with the Word of God. In this season of pay tonight, Father, I'm asking you to help me, help me. Say this out loud. Say, God, put a watch over my lips. Put a guard over my heart. For out of it are the abundance of life. Life and death come out of my heart. The power of life and death are in my tongue. I choose tonight life, blessing. I refuse to judge. I will not sit in the seat of judgment. I refuse to be critical. I will speak life. I will eat out of life. when I ask God to go ahead when I started asking God to put a watch over my mouth I noticed something happened I'd be in a conversation and all of a sudden we're, we're conversing and I want to say something either a judgment or a bit of gossip or oh I, I, I somebody's starting to talk about somebody oh yeah I have information and it's like as I begin to speak gets cut off and, I, and, and it gives me just it's like oh thank you Lord I asked you to do that didn't I and I've just learned to just shut up my mom always used to say if you can't say something good don't say anything at all I think that's a pretty good thing but I'll tell you what Jesus didn't say that he said bless curse not bless those that hate you bless those that despitefully use you why? Because in so doing, you're measuring your back years. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.